I hope you all enjoyed last week celebrating Independence Day, traveling, going to the beach, watching fireworks. We did all that to celebrate the freedom that we have gained from the oppression and tyranny of uh, people who were basically uh, before us. And you wonder as to, you look at our country today and say, how did we grow to this point? Our forefather desired an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which emphasizes individual freedom, individual right, and the liberty as well as economic entrepreneurship. For that, they were willing to die for. They were willing to put the life on the line. And they fought the Britons. And they won. And here we are. Since then, we have grown to a point to become a marvel of the whole world to want to follow what we have done and created. You see, to grow, you can't just sit and sleep and eat. You got to grow. If you want to grow, we have to have some kind of a motivation. We need some aspiration. We need some purpose. We need some vision. And sometimes, yes, we need some restrictions. Kids need restrictions at home so they can grow. If you give them total freedom, well, you know, in fact, they may actually destroy the freedom. So how do we grow? There are many areas in our lives we grow. If you want to grow your muscle, simple. You got to go and exercise. You eat the right diets. If you want to grow knowledge, you don't go to uh, beach. You got to study the book. You got to study. And you got to study the right materials, not the wrong materials. How about age? You want to grow in age? Well, that one, you don't have to do anything. All you got to do is just sleep and eat. You will grow old, okay? Uh, maturity. You have to face some tough times and experience it. Do not avoid tough times. They make you to grow, to mature. How about success? Everybody wants to be successful, whatever that definition is. But if you want a success, you have to endure adversity. You have to endure the tough times. Don't give up. How about you want a great relationship, whether with your uh, uh, spouse, your family members, or friends? You want a great relationship? What's the, what's the secret? You have to give. Relationship break because the moment you say, I want to take, I want to take that's when the relationship breaks. That's when it stops to grow. If you want your relationships to grow, you've got to continue to give. And of course, grace. We've been talking about grace. Growing in grace. How do we grow in grace? So let's look what God has commanded us to do. 2 Peter 3.18. We've been on this series for the last two months. But God commanded us, we must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's what we've been talking about, growing in Christ, growing in grace. 
So how do we do that? Do we need knowledge? Do we need age, maturity, success, relationship? Well, all those are contributing attributes. And during our series, we talked about how to grow in grace. Sometimes simply by desiring God. If you desire, you grow to be like Him. We talked about how we need to do the things that God says to do. We also talked about how not to do the things in order for us to grow, the things that God told us not to do. Talked about the truth and the Word of God. We also talked about we can also grow when we actually fall, when we fail something that can, we can actually grow, when we mess things up. It's not the end of the world. When you mess things up, that's the adversity, that's the challenge. God can use that to grow us. It's like the, whenever we have uh, four seasons, when you face wintertime, that's like everything falling, you know? Everything sort of like going into dormant and decay, but it helped us to grow. We can also grow when we turn the bad things into blessing. Remember we talked about good, bad, and ugly, you know? Not every bad thing has turned into ugly. We can turn the bad things into blessings. And we talked about that. And last week we studied the Bible verse, many who are first will be last, and the last the first. What is the meaning of that? Meaning of many who were first. So whoever came first will be the last. Whoever came the last will be the first. What do we talk about? That's exactly what God means about growing in grace. The first one was not growing in grace. That's why he became lost. The last one came forward, but this person was growing in grace. So whoever grows in grace will be the first. So let me just recapture some of the things that we talked about, the basic and the fundamentals. If you look at the chart before you, it basically shows what grace is. Grace is something that we don't have to grow. It's something which is given to us, meaning grace, period, okay? It's not something that we make an effort. It's not something that we do something. It's not something we don't not do something. It's not something. It's just given to us by simply declaring that our Lord Jesus Christ, our, our, our Savior, is it's the Son of God. That's all you got to do. And we're given that grace. And that grace is just amazing grace you cannot get in this world. The eternal life. It's amazing gift. We're given to us. And most often, we as Christians, we think that's the end of it. Oh, I received grace. Now I'm a Christian. And I go to church. Maybe I'll go and join some small group. Maybe I am done. That's far from the truth. Because God demands us to grow in that grace. The grace that I have given you, I want you to grow it. That's what we've been talking about. Growing is from the time that you receive, whether you're 10 years old, when you're 50 years old, when you grow, you become a baby. You're not a matured Christian yet. You're a baby. Like that thing that's, that chart that said, you're a baby. Then you grow into, like Christ in grace, through child, adolescence, and, and a teenager, and adults, and to mature individual. The best way to, to depict that in that picture, yeah, you grow a little tiny little plant. You grow into a little bit of a tree, and maybe you bear some fruit. 
and you think everything is doing great, but our life isn't always about just keep rising, keep rising. We fall. We fail things that uh, because of whatever circumstances, with the relationship, whatever the case, and mistakes that we make, we fall. It's like facing a winter. It's cold. It's as if we're losing everything. But it is that process that helps us to grow. Eventually, eventually, by going through that process, winter, spring, summer, and fall, we then become reliable, strong tree, like big trunk and just strong tree. And that's similar to growing in grace. So today, let's talk about the real thing. Okay, it's the real thing. It may not be the end of this series, but it's the real thing. As they say, the older people will know, what's the real thing? Is a Coca-Cola, you know, the theme. The real thing is Coca-Cola. I've grown up with that, so every time I see real thing, I think about that. But the real thing in growing in grace, in accordance with the Bible, the real thing is undeniably it's about fearing God. Everything that we talked about, whether to do, whether not to do, challenge, to, to receive, to desire, it all comes to that foundation of a fearing God. And we, we praise today about the foundation, that Jesus is our foundation. It, the real thing is undeniably, it is so scriptural, is the fear of God. Why so? It is amazing, guys. It, the, it's the first command given to us. It was given to us way before Ten Commandments. It was given to us way before there are six, seven, eight hundred commands in the Bible. It was given to us in the beginning. The fear of the Lord is a prerequisite. You must understand. You must be able to understand what it means to fear God so they can really actually fulfill the rest of the Ten Commandments, the rest of the hundreds of commandments. Without fearing God, it is harder, it's difficult to yield or obey the, all the other commandments. Just look at Adam and Eve. What a beautiful place. They kind of live like that, a paradise. You know, Independence Day was to celebrate our pursuit for freedom in life and the liberty and the happiness. Just think about them. They had a life. They had liberty, Adam and Eve, and they didn't even have to pursue the happiness. Think about it. They were born into a perfect world, right? We know that, right? They were born into a perfect, perfect world, but they still had to grow. What do they have to grow? They are commissioned to multiply. In order for them to multiply, they need to grow. And God gave them this perfect, a great way to grow in creating a perfect world. 
for their descendants so they can live happily ever after. And do you know what that was? Do you know what God gave them? First of all, they, God gave them assurance. I don't want you to understand, when Jesus came to us, he came to give us assurance. It's okay. I'll be with you. No matter what, I am with you. So God gave Adam and Eve assurance that they will not be alone. They will not be left alone. Do you? God created this beautiful garden and placed Adam there. And God says, had a little sympathy and says, man, he might be a little lonely. I'm going to create an Eve for him. You think that's the end of it? Do you think that when you find a perfect, perfect relationship or a spouse or a friend and you were put in this island and you think you can live happily ever after with just two of you? You still will feel a little lonely. You need the people. You need the community. So God is basically saying, I want to give you assurance. I haven't created this perfect world. I haven't created both of you who are perfect, but I want to give you assurance that I am with you, that I am present. They had this assurance of God's presence, and they knew it. And his presence... What was his presence? God's presence was right in the middle of the garden, right? And what was in the middle of the garden? What was in the center of their life? What was the most important thing that was in the middle of the garden? It was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, What's the significance of that? The tree of knowledge of good and evil symbolizes what? God's authority. God's powerful presence. That's God's authority. Meaning that you can live in this beautiful, perfect world, but you must, you must be able to understand that I am here with you. And his authority was given to them as the first command to mankind, to us and to them. In Genesis 2.17, it's very clear. You must. This is the first command in the Bible. There's no other place. You must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And we all kind of blame on Adam and Eve. Like, we don't do that. I would have never done that. Adam and Eve, what did you do that for? And we are in this mess. That's what we do. But anyway, God gave them the first command. So, for what? So that we can grow in him so as to, what? Not to die. And then God shows throughout the Bible the relationship between fearing God and keeping His command so that we can grow in Him. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 through 13. Oh now, 
and now all Israel, what does the Lord your God ask? That is, to fear. That's what God is asking, commanding us to fear the Lord your God. How? To walk all, in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your hearts, with all your soul. And then it says in verse 13, and to observe the Lord's commands and decree that I am giving you today for what? For your own good. For your own good, meaning to grow with Him, grow in Him. And all they had to do, Adam and Eve, for them to grow, well, all they had to do was to grow, is to multiply, was to fear God in reverence. And that they failed. And because they failed, we are in this predicament. It's all messed up. Our life gets messed up. Now, if you think about it, Adam and Eve were only two individuals only two individuals born into grace. I never heard this before, but I'm very confident. Now, all of us received grace when you receive Christ. But prior to the grace, and everybody is a sinner. But Adam and Eve, prior to the fall, they were born into grace. They were born perfect. They didn't need Christ. They were born. They were sinless. Until the fall, they were sinless. So they were in the presence of grace. They were already in grace. Christ didn't have to come for them. They were already received grace when they were born. Grace, as we understand it, it's a free gift at the same time. What? Once you have grace, what do you get? What's the benefit? It's eternal life. They had an eternal life. There's no death. Is that right? There's a humor about Adam and Eve. Archaeologists found the perfectly preserved bodies of Adam and Eve. Yeah, somebody's sm smiling already because I mentioned them several times in the past. Archaeologists discovered perfectly preserved Adam and Eve. And this archaeologist knew exactly who they were. Others didn't know. It says, this bodies. Adam and Eve, and the other archaeologists, how do you know that these two perfectly preserved bodies are Adam and Eve? This smart, wise archaeologist says, they don't have belly button. They don't have a belly button. They were God created. They didn't, they didn't go through the womb, right? That's just the humor. But the point is, they were born into grace. They were sinless. They had an eternal life. But why did they mess up? How did they mess up? Why did they fail to grow from that grace that was given to them? What was their sin from that point on? If you ask people why they, were, they ate this Food from the tree of good and evil. 
Well, let me tell you, too, that's just the consequences of the real sin. You know what the real sin is? Eating the fruit is not a culprit. That's what we think it is. What caused them to eat that fruit? It's just simple. They did not fear God. Does that make sense to you? If you had a true a fear and reverence and respect and love for him, we would have listened. They would have listened. But because they had no fear, because they had a given total freedom, they had no fear. That's why they fall. We have freedom. We live in a country where we have basically total freedom. And we have that because God gave us freedom to choose. Democracy is based upon this principle. We have a freedom to choose. Yet most of the other places in this world, people don't have freedom to choose or even not to fear. In other words, they must fear but they fear for wrong reasons. The fear is given to them for wrong reasons. And I've mentioned this a couple of times as examples back about six, seven years ago. I went to China for the first time and we got to know this Chinese uh, businessman. We're doing some projects out there. We got him, I met him a couple of times and, and the one uh, uh, December I went to visit him and he took me to the, uh, the mall uh, for lunch and and uh, December 2nd, week of December. And as I was walking through the mall, it was like, just like being in the United States, all these Christmas ornaments from the, uh, the wreath, a huge, gigantic wreath to uh, reindeer uh, models and coming down from the, the ceiling to all the way down and Christmas trees and, and, and um, um, you know, the symbols of the snowflakes and you name it. It was all there. On top of that, they were playing these Christmas songs and Christmas carols. I was so shocked. I was so shocked. So uh, as we were having uh, a lunch together, and I said, first of all, uh, wow, this is a great, you love Christmas. Yes, you do. Let me ask you something. Do you know all these songs that's coming out? There's, uh, yeah, we love those songs. Well, one is Christmas carols. The other one is Christmas songs. It's like they're playing like jingle bells, right? Well, that's a Christmas songs. It's like party songs. Well, we like them. It sounds very fun. Well, there's also the same time I heard playing silent nights, holy nights. You know what that is? Well, that's singing about the true meaning of Christmas, Jesus Christ. And he was like, oh, what's that? They never heard it before. Right, so, and then he says, I don't care. We like them both. So I continued the discussion. You know what he said? He's an earned man. We have more freedom than you people in the United States. And I couldn't. I was so shocked that he said something like that. So that gave me the opportunity to continue our discussion. We can do in China anything that we want to do. But there's one thing we cannot do. We cannot never, never criticize the government. 
But other than that, we can do anything we want. We have like no regulation other than that one regulation that thou shalt not criticize, say anything bad against the government. So other than that, we are living in free. And he said, you guys live, have opportunity. You can criticize the government all you want, but you got so many regulations. You're hand-tied. You're just opposite to us. Well, that gave me great opportunity to continue our discussion. Obviously, I love our government system where we have a freedom to speak. Well, let's see. You can't speak against your government. That includes the regulations such as there's no freedom of religion. Yeah, yeah, that too. There's no freedom of press. Yeah, that too. No freedom of this, no freedom of that, right? Yeah, that too. Well, it looks like you've got like 10,000 more regulations than us. It's, well, I guess, you know, in a way, that's true. But then he said, I need to stop this discussion. I figured that he was actually getting a little bit afraid because he did say if we criticize government in any moment, they could be taken away and nobody would know what would happen to them. So we end the discussion. The difference between fearing God and fearing government is huge. And when we fear God, we do that Willingly and with reverence and with respect. Because you do that because you want to. When you fear government, you are forced. You are coerced. Same thing when I went to Dubai. Oh, my goodness. I went to Dubai in a picture. People tell me how free world it is. You can do anything you want. In fact, when you go there, you can do anything you want. You can wear shorts. You can show the ladies can wear any kind of dress over there, or just, I was just shocked myself. So one day I was there, I was, uh, and I told you this story before, I was so uh, uh, jet, jet lagged, and, and some of the friends, or business associates, wanted to go shopping, and I was so tired, I was so sleepy. So they went into the store, they said, I don't want to go into the store, there's a little bench, and I'm just going to sit there and wait for you guys. He said, Okay, fine, we'll be there, we'll come out pretty soon. I was so tired and so sleepy. Then I went like this and sat down like this and just put my back and just close my eyes and just rest a little bit. Within two minutes, if not one minute, somebody just tapped on my shoulder. I opened my eyes. There are two soldiers with machine guns. I'm not talking about rifle. The real machine guns right in front of my face. And he says, sir, you cannot sleep here. It says, I'm not sleeping here. I'm just resting. Second time, you cannot sleep here. So, well, I, had a, I just came from the United States, and I'm just resting. My friends are in that store right now. I'm just waiting for them to come. For the third time, sir, you cannot sleep here. I realized by that time, they may use this machine gun. <laughs> so I decided, okay, I got up. So what do you mean to do? When I'm resting, just walk around. When my friends came out, I told them a story. They started laughing at me. It's like, didn't you know? Know what? There's camera everywhere. Everywhere? In, just the, in this particular mall? No. And you go to Dubai, there's camera everywhere. They watch every move, every step. If you do anything, they'll get you. They fear watching. 
and it dictates their behavior. So whenever you go to Dubai, be careful. God gave us freedom, a total freedom, no other regulation other than to fear him by acknowledging his presence. And yet today, in our society, the free society, we enjoy the freedom, and all the same thing that Adam and privileges, Adam and Eve had in paradise that they were given, we no longer fear God. And look what happened to Adam and Eve. So how is your life today? How much, to what degree do you fear God? And out of respect, out of love. Here's the point. The first command God gave to Adam and Eve was to fear God. That alone is very significant. It was given to them so that they can grow and to multiply his people in a perfect world that God initially created it. And God, when God said, Thou shalt not eat of the fruits from the tree of good and evil, what was God really doing or imposing on Adam and Eve? God basically told them, you can have it all, but just know that I am here. I am with you. I am walking with you. You too, Adam and Eve, may be walking along the beach, but I'm there with you. Sounds similar? When you're walking, our Christ is walking with us. Remember the story, the picture? I was so tired, and I was walking with you, uh, Christ. And then when I was tired, I couldn't walk no more, and I looked at the, my footstep in the sand. There was only one footstep because God was, Jesus was carrying us. I am with you. But Adam and Eve did not fear the presence of God. And you know the end of the story. And because of that, everything changed. Everything changed. The moment they ate that fruit, the moment they did not fear God, they gave birth to death. The moment they ate the fruit, the moment they, they did not fear God, they gave birth to death. And they could no longer grow in that perfect world. And that perfect world was crushed or cursed. This concept still applies to us. You see, we grow when we fear something. Fear causes us to be prudent. Fear causes us to be careful. Fear causes us to improve, to do things better. Fear causes us to behave. Fear causes us to work harder and harder. Fear causes us to grow. My wife waters plant every morning and every night, evening. She gets up just before she hops into a car to go to work. The first thing she does is go to the garden and start watering 
the planet. We're, we're, we're racist raising tomatoes and, you know, um, peppers and squash. And we had a first uh, uh, tomato a couple of days ago, and it was, uh, was awesome. Every morning and every evening when she comes back from work, she goes out there and waters the garden. Why? Why does she do that? Because if she doesn't water them, she fears. Notice I used the word. She fears that all those plants may die. Sounds familiar with some Bible verse we just read? She wants to make sure those plants, those plantations, vegetations, they grow so that we can enjoy. Enjoy the paradise. You see, without fear, Without the fear of trembling, without the fear of respect and honoring, without the fear of knowing His presence, it will be very difficult to grow. It will be difficult to grow. So Bible, so what does the Bible say about fear of God? Fearing God is to respect and to obey God. Fearing God is that you love Him so much that you are willing to do anything he tells us to do. To fear the Lord is to honor Him in reverence. The Bible says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Whenever we do evil things, that's a proof that we're not fearing God. To fear the Lord is to solidly trust Him. So what is fear? It's about being open to God, eager to please Him, follow His instructions, willingness to turn away from evil, is to basically simply surrendering to His will. So what are the benefits? The tremendous benefits that comes to uh, benefit our lives when we fear the Lord. It says in the Bible, when you fear, it adds Length to our life. I don't know how long you want to live, but this Bible says it's a bonus. If you, want to, if you fear God, I'll give you some extended life, the length to it. It says it will give you wisdom. The fear is beginning of the wisdom. The fear of the Lord will give you life, life that you want. Hopefully less troubles. The trouble we're going to get. Just like we're going to face winter regardless, we're going to face some troubles, but perhaps less severe. I love this one. When you fear God, God says, I will give you favor. The Lord favors those who fear Him. When God favors you, He's going to make things good for you. God says, if you fear, He will bless us. God also says that if we fear Him, He will help us. It also says that if we fear God, His eyes are not just watching to see if you're making a bad move. His eyes are on us, on you, to protect you, to give you a favor, to help you. So let me sum it all up. God commands us to grow. Grow in His grace. 
2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace. That's what we are commissioned to do, those who have received the grace. And to help us to grow, the first command God gave us was to fear him. He made his presence known in the center of the garden. And no matter how good life we live in, we are to place God in the center of our lives. Really simple. God placed the tree of knowledge in the center of the garden. Now we are to place God in the center of our lives so he could help us, bless us, give us favor. And amazing grace is this. No matter how much we mess up, even after receiving grace, God's love continues to grow. What's the proof of that? Isn't God's love sort of a constant? Yeah, it's constant. At the same time, it's abundant. It's so abundant, it will continue to grow. God himself is growing in his love to us. How? What's the one major proof of that? He sent our, his son Jesus. He didn't have to do that. His love is growing. So he gave us his son. That's his continuing, ever-growing love for us. And when he continues to forgive our sins, he's growing his love unto us. And likewise, we are to do the same. No matter what, if we want to grow in grace, just as Jesus has done for us, he took us back to square one so that we can now start to grow. New start, new beginning. Yes, the promise of paradise. And Jesus said, if you really, truly want to grow, just like God sent me to you to save you, just like I have laid my life on you to save, your job to grow in grace is to help those who are in need. And love your neighbor as yourself, which is to sacrifice. God's sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice, we are to sacrifice for our friends.